Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, Judges chapter 8, and if I could give this one a title, it would be, Folks Be Worshiping Anything. <laughs> if God is not first, folks going to worship anything. The, the reality is, is everybody's going to follow somebody. Everybody's going to worship something. If you don't worship God, you're going to worship your career, something. All right. So you got to make sure you put something there. Otherwise, something else will take its place just passively, right? We're going to get into that in just a moment. But as always, if you like what you're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you are leaving us a five-star review on the podcast. We are on the road to 1,000 when it comes to the YouTube channel. So make sure you are helping us out with that, and it really does help when you subscribe to the channel. Also, on the Facebook group, Bible Breakdown Discussion. Thank you so much. We're almost at 200 people that are there now and are going through that and reading those devotions. Thank you so much for engaging. The more we dig, the more we find. And man, we're just unashamedly in love with Jesus, unashamedly in love with his word, and just enjoying God's word. Even the book of Judges, <laughs> the dumpster fire of the Old Testament, the real housewives of the Old Testament, the tiger king of the Old Testament, just, ugh, you know. But at the same time, even though I can imagine as Samuel is writing some of this down and kind of just, just putting his hands over his face at some point and going, this really is our history. <laughs> at the same time, we're learning that the cycle of sin doesn't work. You know, it's the idea of don't live life your way, live life God's way. And this one we're going to see. And if you go ahead and open up your Bibles with me to Judges chapter 8 out of the New Living Translation, we're going to see how... If we don't purposely put God first in our life, something else will take his place. And it may be a well-meaning something, but something will take his place. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. To catch you up with it, God has raised up a guy named Gideon who, with God's help, raised an army and took on the Midianites. But then as they were getting ready to do that, they had 22,000 soldiers. And God told Gideon, that's too many. I need you to pare that down. And they pared it on down to 300. And as they pared it on down to the original 300, they end up defeating these enemies because God put these, this enemy army, these collection of enemy armies, into chaos. And they end up killing each other. And it became a rout with just 300. And so now, after they've done that, they have to figure out what they're going to do next. And they still have to get their freedom from these invading armies that has been subjugating them for so many years. So it's picked back up, Judges 8, where Gideon is kind of finishing the conquest of, of getting their freedom, and let's see what happens, and let's keep the thread of this idea. If we don't put God's first, God first on purpose, something else will become first just passively. Here we go. Judges chapter 8, verse 1 says this, Then the people of Ephraim asked Gideon, Why have you treated us this way? Why didn't you send for us when you first went out to fight the Midianites? And they argued heatedly with Gideon. But Gideon replied, wait a minute. What have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't even the leftover grapes of Ephraim's harvest better the entire crop of my little clan of Abizer? God gave you victory over Oreb and Zeb, the commanders of the Midianite army. What have I accomplished compared to that? 
And when the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, their, argue, their anger subsided. In other words, they were upset because they didn't think they were getting all the glory. And Gideon's like, dude, we're in this thing together. God used all of us to do amazing things. So kind of get over it. You know, verse four, Gideon then crossed the Jordan River with his 300 men. And though exhausted, they continued to chase the army. And when they reached Succoth, Gideon asked the leaders of the town, please give my warriors some food for they are tired. And we are chasing Zeba and Zalumna, the kings of Midian. But the officials of Succoth replied, catch Zeba and Zaluma first, and then we will feed your army. So Gideon said, after the Lord gives victory over Zibia and Zaluma, I'm going to return and tear your flesh with the thorns and the briars from the wilderness. Uh, ow. <laughs> he, uh, he didn't like that response too well. Verse 8. From there, Gideon went up to Penel and asked for food, but he got the same answer. So he said to the people of Penel, after I return from victory, I will tear down this tower. By this time, Zeba and Zalumna were at Karkor uh, Kar with about 15,000 warriors, all that remained of the allied armies of the east, for 120,000 had already been killed. That's, that's a lot of dead people. Gideon circled around by the caravan uh, route east of Nebua of Go uh, Gobaha and taking the Midianite army by surprise. Zeba and Zalumna, the two Midianite kings, fled, but Gideon chased them down and captured them and all their warriors. After this, Gideon returned from the battle by way of Jerez Pass. There, he captured a young man from Succoth and demanded that he write down the names of all the 77 officials and elders in the town. Gideon then returned to Succoth and said to the leaders, Here are Zeba and Zalumna. Uh, when we were here before, you taunted me, saying, Catch Zeba and Zalumna first, then we will feed your exhausted army. Then Gideon took the elders of the town and taught them a lesson punishing them with thorns and briars from the wilderness. He also tore down the tower of Penel and killed all the men in the town. Then Gibeon asked Zebia and Zalumna, the men you killed at Tabor, what were they like? Like you, they replied. <laughs> they all had to look for a king's son. <laughs> then uh, then uh, they were my brothers. They all had the look of a king's son. They were all my brothers. The sons of my own mother, Gideon exclaimed, as surely as the Lord lives, I wouldn't kill you if you hadn't killed them. Turning to Jathir, the oldest son, he said, kill them. But Jathir did not draw his sword, for he was only a boy and was afraid. Zabiah and Zalumna said to Gideon, be a man, kill us yourself. So Gideon killed them both and took the royal ornaments from their necks of their camels. So Gideon, he ain't no joke. <laughs> Gideon is a hard man and is a hard man that was called to do a hard task. And he did his task by defeating these enemies. And it's important to realize whenever we see something bad happen to somebody, you know, we, we don't like to see this, but at the same time, remember what they have been doing to Israel for years and years and years. Now, whether or not Gideon should have asked this younger man to, to do that, that, that's a whole nother issue. And I, I would dare say probably not. But we have to be careful when we see this. We don't immediately go, well, that sure is harsh. Well, it sure is. It was also harsh for years and years and years and years at all the things that these men had done to other people as well. All right, let's finish this up. Verse 22. Then the Israelites said to Gideon, Be our ruler, 
You and your son and your grandson be our rulers, for you have rescued us from the Midians. But Gideon replied, I will not rule over you, nor will my son. The Lord will rule over you. However, I do have one request. Each of you give me an earring from the plunder you collected from your fallen enemies. The enemies, the Ishmaelites, all wore golden earrings. Gladly, they replied. They spread out a cloak, and each one threw a gold earring that he had gathered from the plunder. And the weight of the gold earrings was about 43 pounds, not including the royal ornaments and pendants and purple clothing worn by the kings of Midian or the chains around the necks of their camels. Gideon made a sacred ephod. That's a, it's a linen garment that was only used in times of worship. God made a sacred ephod from the gold and put it in Orpah, his hometown. But soon all the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping it, and it became a trap for Gideon and his family. That is the story of how the people of Israel defeated Midian, which never recovered. Throughout the rest of Gideon's lifetime, for about 40 years, there was peace in the land. Then Gideon, son of Joash, returned home. He had 70 sons born to him, for he had many wives. He also had a concubine in Shechem who gave birth to a son who he named Abimelech. Gideon died when he was very old, and he was buried in the grave of his father Joash at Orpah in the land of the clan of Abizar. As soon as Gideon died, the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping the images of Baal, making Baal Barith their god. They forgot the Lord their God, who had rescued them from all their enemies surrounding them. Nor did they show any loyalty to the family of Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, despite all the good things he had done for Israel. To which we all give a collective... <sighs> Israel just struggles to keep their eyes on God. Even, and that's where I got the title of this, even the moment where Gideon is excited about what God has done, and so he makes this sacred ephod. It was a linen garment used that you would put on during your time of worship. And Israel was like, hey, let's worship that thing. Let's, let's worship the sacred garment. No, <laughs> don't worship the garment. Worship the one that you are supposed to be worshiping while you wear the garment. But constantly, because Israel did not keep God as the focus of their life, other things kept slipping into place. And so the lesson to me is, is if we don't purposely make God number one, because even you notice when the war was over with, Israel was saying, hey, Gideon, be our God, or be our leader, be our leader. And he's like, no, 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 not me, God. Well, then after that, he makes a sacred ephod, and they want to worship that thing instead of God. And then as soon as Gideon dies, they want to go after Baal instead of God. And so if we don't purposely keep God first, other things will take God's role in our life. And here's the thing. Nothing else can live up to what only God can be. Only God can be sovereign. Only God can be holy. Only God can give us safety and security. Only God can give us the things that we go looking everywhere else for. And if we don't keep God actively, keep God first in our life, then passively all these other things will start to take over. And so the lesson today is, is actively keep God first. How do we do that? By constantly engaging with God and constantly praying, reading God's word, being around our brothers and sisters in Christ, and constantly keeping ourselves in front of him so that he can continue to be the Lord of our life. I want to ask you this question. Is there an area of your life where you're not actively keeping God as Lord? If there is, then that's your next step. 
Let's pray together this morning. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness. Thank you, God, that you're with us. And Lord, even though the nation of Israel had 99 problems, you weren't one of them. You led them, you guided them. And even when they kept falling back away from you, one of the things I love about this book is that you kept being faithful to them again and again. I pray you will help us to realize that you're the same way for us. And that if you're going to do that in our lives, then we can continue to move forward knowing that you're never going to give up on us. And we take that and we take the next step. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Remember, the whole reason why the nation of Israel is in these shenanigans is because of Judges 17, verse 6. It says, In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. So the lesson for us is, don't do life your way. Do life God's way. It ends out a whole lot better. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for Judges chapter 9.